right, everybody, welcome back. In this episode, we are going to be analyzing why every single movie on Netflix and Amazon Prime, Hollywood in the past 10 years, include adultery. Seriously confused by this. The prevalence is just absolutely ubiquitous. It is like impossible to find a movie that does not only include adultery, but in some way kind of glamorizes it or glorifies it. I hate it. I find it so painful and hurtful and kind of disgusting to watch. So that's why I've noticed that it's insanely ubiquitous. And no one really talks about this. Like everyone knows about the Bechdel test. And it is definitely true that there are kind of anti-woman gender stereotypes, I think. I think that is true in, in many ways, at least for a long period of time. I think that's rapidly changing and might not be true anymore, or it might not be true for much longer. But what almost no one talks about is how truly, truly sinister almost all movies are when it comes to just healthy, ethical dating and relationship and marriage representations. It's seriously, troublingly atrocious. So it's just something I've always thought about and really upsets me. And so I've just been thinking about it a lot and I wanted to discuss it a little bit. But before we get into that stuff, I have to start with, I'm afraid it's just some bad news. It's, it's very sad news I have to share with you. And it pains me to say this, but I don't want to beat around the bush. Get right to it. Fortunately, sadly, Ashley Christlover, who has done about 13 episodes with me on this podcast, who I started this podcast with, has unfortunately decided that she does no longer wish to do this podcast, unfortunately. And we talked about it. We're all good. It's completely fine. Uh, we're still friends, and it's completely fine. I think she just had mixed emotions about it. And, you know, if you want to know her opinion and, and what what she thinks about it all, and you can you talk to her if you if you are connected to her or whatever. But um, I'll just say, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I will just try to very briefly and and lovingly summarize what the message I got from her pretty much was that she, I think, basically just said that she doesn't feel comfortable doing a podcast with Christian branding, that in a few different ways, it just feels contradictory to her and uncomfortable to her in, in certain ways, uh, which we don't need to get into it. You know, there's no, um, there's no problem and it's not my place to uh, analyze it or anything. It, it's all good. Whatever she wants is completely fine. But so for that reason, basically, she just said that uh, the podcast just wasn't really sitting well with her. And I totally respect that. It was completely fine. Uh, I, of course, I'm sad that, that she'll be no longer a part of this. I really enjoy talking with her. I think she's incredibly unique person uh, who is just fascinating, but also smart and funny and and cool, like a good person. I, th I think she's a genuine, unique, cool, good person and, and a particularly, I think, interesting and um, how should I say, like inspiring in a way, uh, Christian. Like I, I do see her as a really interesting Christian type of, I wouldn't say role model. That's maybe a bit extreme, but like I kind of, you know, really respected her, her, I think more cultivated and developed um, religiosity and, and faith. And that was the main reason why I wanted to do this podcast with her and why I originally had her in mind when uh, I came up with the concept for this podcast and asked her to, to do it with me. But, you know, things happen this way often with creative projects it's it's perfectly normal it's part of it right um especially when you have a kind of weird idea if it's a very unique concept and this i mean this podcast like the whole magic of it what's been so interesting and awesome so far is precisely that it has been weird like very very weird the content we talk about the way we talk about it and the dynamic and the style is extremely unique and i mean for me i thought it was awesome i i've really loved every episode 
but it's you know not too surprising that maybe the other person doesn't experience it that way or they don't like it that way and uh that's completely fine so i thought it was awesome i thought we were really you know finding a groove and i know that a lot of people really liked it so yeah i'm sad to report that ashley will no longer be doing the podcast but it's all good and i i totally understand and i i wish her nothing but the best and I'll always consider her a friend of the show and maybe she'll periodically want to come back on and see what, see where things have gone. But I, for one, just want to basically say that I don't know exactly how I'm going to carry on without her, but I know that I'm going to try. I know, I know that I'm going to keep doing this podcast at least for a good another stretch and then we can reevaluate. But I just personally, I feel very strongly that the basic concept of the podcast is a really good, important, necessary concept. And for me, it's been fun. Um, so gonna just keep trying to find a way to keep it going and uh obviously you know if if maybe you're a passionate fan of ashley and that's primarily why you came to this podcast or why you listen to this podcast and it was her that you you know most appreciated and i'm sure that's true for some of you right i think whenever there's a co-hosted podcast you know people always i think identify a little bit more or enjoy a little bit more uh, one of the people over the other and uh so some of you, I'm sure, will maybe no longer be interested in just the uh, the solo Justin Murphy version of Chat for God, which is completely fine, in which case I wish you the best, too. And uh, I'm sure Ashley will be getting into other creative projects, so you can look out for those. And uh, But yeah, either way, I mean, I never like built this with a particular focus or particular ambition of you know necessarily wanting like a massive audience or anything like that. Um, I mean... In all the things I do that are creative on the internet, of course, you're always kind of trying to make it in a way that gets traction and has the greatest impact. But ultimately, from the very beginning, I I saw this podcast as essentially a kind of whole exercise, a kind of process where the primary chain or purpose was really a, a kind of work on my own soul and and maybe uh, hopefully, possibly in some way, a work on other people's soul in a way that's positive. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so because the basic concept feels to me important and very lacking in the mainstream culture, and I still have a lot of things I think and a lot of things I feel and a lot of things that I want to say in, about Christianity and religion more generally and, and Western culture today, I'm going to keep this going to, at the very least, just basically get off my own chest and share my own thoughts and feelings uh, until until I run out of those, let's say, or until maybe I get really bored or other people get really bored or whatever, so... Um, I might maybe at one point start getting guests on. I could definitely start getting guests, and that's a common way to keep a podcast interesting and growing. But uh, the honest fact is I don't really want to get guests on, maybe occasionally here and there. But the problem with guests is then the podcast becomes very satanic often because to get guests, you have to play this kind of instrumental game, right? You have to be kind of impressive to them. You have to be worth their time, even, you know, even cool Christian figures. Like if you know of them in the popular culture, then, you know, they probably run a fairly tight ship and making decisions about what they can spend their time on and what they can't spend their time on and all of that. So um, as soon as you start having a guest-based podcast, you have to really start playing the game of imaging or, you know, your image and your positioning and how you sell it and communicate it. And yeah, the whole concept, if you remember from the very first few episodes is basically, you know, I just want to share what I think and feel from the bottom of my soul about these difficult really religious questions in life and i don't want to have to worry about making it cool or impressive or sophisticated or selling it to people so i'm going to stick with the mission i'm going to keep talking about the questions and themes that i'm interested in and we'll see where it goes yeah that's all i can really say right we'll, we'll cross this bridge again in a couple weeks if 
you know, it feels good or not good or whatever. We'll see how it goes. That's all you can do. So the topic I would like to talk about today is adultery in Hollywood and Netflix and pretty much all mainstream. Yeah. You know, once upon a time, romance used to be one of the most common plot lines, right? Guy and girl, some kind of conflict, then they resolve the conflict and happily ever after, right? That's a kind of classic plot in which human need for love and the human drive for connection is frequently center stage of a lot of stories and movies and books. It makes perfect sense because our sexual desires, but also our desires for connection and romance and family bonding, these sorts of things are very powerful drives and needs that we all have. So it makes sense that a lot of books and movies in history just on that and featured that. Something very, very satanic has happened over the past few decades, I believe, because in a weird way, I think old-fashioned, genuine romance plots, extremely out of fashion. And what now is incredibly prevalent is plots or subplots where main focus is some type of adulterous desire or behavior. As you become aware of this, you start to see it everywhere. And it's seriously almost weird. It's seriously creepy and sketchy how movies will have at least one mini subplot or even just one passing scene or some type of adulterous desire or possibility is teased and included at least in some minimal way it's like even in like comic book movies and stuff like that they just pepper the stuff in it's so bizarre to me and what's even more bizarre to me is that no one is really up in arms about it it's like seriously teaching people and kids and everyone that adultery is completely normal completely common even sexy I think for anyone who's married, who has at all a kind of realistic attitude or experience with just the everyday vicissitudes of maintaining a healthy relationship and marriage, an honest, healthy relationship, it's hard, right? I mean, people do, we all do have sinful, lustful drives and, you know, to be a good or a good wife, you do have to keep that stuff in check and it's not always easy. And that's just, that is natural and that's fine because we are, you know, fallen, we do have very sinful atrocious longings you think that i in fact i mean i consider that uncontroversial so when almost every movie you can find made in the past 10 years let's say longer though constantly reminding you of that and making it seem cool and normal really do start to believe that mainstream media is a seriously sinister satanic agenda i'm no conspiracy theorist so it's not like i'm imagining some kind of evil cabal that I don't have evidence for. I'm just saying there's something very, very perverse going on with the just statistically the insane prevalence of adultery or adulterous moments or scenes or hints. It's not necessary, right? I mean, there's so many other types of stories and you see the stuff peppered in even when the movie's not particularly about romance. You just start to wonder like, why is it so aggressively peppered in this kind of thing? Like seriously, I could give you examples, but it almost feels stupid to even give you examples. I'm not kidding. Like seriously, almost every single mainstream movie or show has at least one scene where there's some kind of adulterous potentiality as a feature of the plot or character developments. Like seriously, I would challenge you to give me examples where there aren't at least one instance of that. Sure there are, but that's actually quite a challenge. That that would be more relevant pursuit to try to identify the movies that don't have any inkling of that. 
Okay, so anyway, I was just thinking about why is this? And I think I came to a few possible hypotheses. I don't know how many of these are true or how true they are, but I think I imagine some reasons why this is so much more prevalent nowadays than it used to be, I believe. First possible answer is that nobody really believes in genuine, wholesome love anymore. I mean, that's a kind of terrifying answer, but I think it's it's quite possible. Or just the number of people who actually believe in a kind of genuine, honest, faithful love relationship, that number of people is just decreasing over time. And the simple fact is there aren't many people out there who either make movies or watch movies who think that a purely honest and faithful relationship is even possible anymore. And so since they don't believe it's possible, it never gets represented in movies. There is a kind of cynical fatalism around these sort of questions nowadays. Like a lot of people do just see eating and adultery as inevitable realities of modern secular relationships. People like to say it's not that bad or it makes sense for certain reasons, or some people even argue that it's good in certain ways. So there are all of these ideas and ideologies floating around in contemporary Western society that many different reasons just make more and more people today think of genuine, non-adulterous, full monogamy as just no longer really a live option, or maybe even a bad option. A lot of people think that it's actually a bad thing. So that would be one possible explanation. And I think that's a pretty compelling explanation. I, I do think that those are real dynamics in how attitudes and behaviors are changing. It makes sense that that would get reflected in culture. My God, it still horrifies me. I, I still find it just disgusting. I mean, I, like, I want to watch movies that are interesting and sophisticated and complex. Uh, you know, I'm not against that. Obviously, I'm not against being challenged in many ways. I just don't want terrible, sinful temptations to be constantly placed in front of my eyes so clear particularly redeeming reason but i find so perverse it's why i chafe at it so much because like whenever these scenes happen it never makes the story more interesting or deeper or enthralling in any way more intellectually challenging actually more like a lazy motif has just become extremely popular and pervasive because that's what a lot of people will say listening to this if you're not, you know, on board with me ethically and aesthetically. You know, a lot of normal people would say, oh, but the reason adultery is always featured in movies is because it's revealing the difficulty and complexity of love and romance. In this mental model, like the traditional romance plot is naive and simple and unrealistic and unchallenging, unsophisticated, and always including adulterous dynamics is just being more more honest about the complexities of life. It's more intellectually rigorous and sophisticated to always include that a little bit because it is, in fact, always a live wire. You know, th those types of adulterous or lustful desires or, or temptations are, in fact, part of life. So here I'm being charitable to someone who might say this. So therefore, you could say that only featured in movies because movies have become more sophisticated and complex and therefore a kind of advancement in cultural representation to be able to be honest and confront these realities through art and culture. You could make that argument. And I think that argument is kind of bullshit is that it's extremely rare for the adulterous phenomena to result in unambiguously bad, bad, destructive results for the people involved. And realistically, that is what you would expect. Adultery destroys families. It destroys people, it destroys souls. It really does. And you never see that part of it in movies. Best, it might be part of a kind of swirling sea of 
other pathologies and problems and perhaps sad or bad outcomes. This is the problem with the postmodern culture in general, which is that call it complex and sophisticated, but really what it is is often it's like a random blending of good and bad in a way that actually just doesn't have any particular vision or ethical code at all. And that's the opposite of complex or sophisticated. That's actually extremely childish and naive. That's basically the little kid who makes art with crayons by mixing all of the crayons into one brown mess. No one would call that complex. No, you'd call it stupid, <laughs> emotionally and intellectually undeveloped. And so, yes, you will sometimes find adultery in movies and shows where it is part of a complex of other sad, unfortunate, pathological causes and effects. That has an effect of actually getting adultery off the hook as being like a uniquely bad thing. Whereas in many lives, in many marriages, in many relationships, actually just unambiguously painful thing for both the person who commits it and the person who is grieved by it. And that's not very interesting. It's it's usually, it's often not, I mean, I don't know the data on this, but it's very often just an unambiguously painful and destructive phenomenon. By the way, you're probably wondering, oh man, Justin seems really butthurt about this. Well, yeah, you know what? Actually, for what it's worth, um, I have been by this a few times in my life, especially when I was really young. And you know what? It fucked me up. It really did. Uh, some of my first few girlfriends when I was in my teen years and, and my early 20s, there were two or three times I was cheated on and it hurt really, really badly. And it ended our relationship and a relationship is always almost immeasurably bad thing because you never know where those relationships could have gone and you never know what you really do to someone's soul when you do that you know what i mean in fact it's pretty interesting i guess i'll share with you a little story like one of the first girlfriends i had when i was way too young and this is one of the reasons why people should not date like young kids should not date it really should not be allowed my first girlfriends who i really had just like super strong emotional feelings towards of course like super immature you know puppy love like emo feelings but nonetheless very powerful you know just really 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 liked her and and was like so you know fearful of rejection and so sensitive at being like an undeveloped young person you know honestly i can't in retrospect i can't fault her because we were just way too young i think we were like you know i want to say maybe 12 years old or 13 years old or something like that like that's the age where you're only really like making out as far as it got maybe a little a little heavy petting here and there or something like that but nothing nothing too naughty at that age at least i can't remember and um so that was as far as it got but yeah she cheated on me and it was like absolutely devastating i i mean i was of course like ridiculously in immature and and overly sensitive and emo but nonetheless like stayed with me for life without a doubt and yeah really fucked me up in in the long run and yeah my only point here is just that yeah so what it is coming from a somewhat personal perspective and my point is just that the damage and pain that adultery can cause in life and in relationships of all different types at all different stages really hard to overstate how disastrous and catastrophic this constant human temptation can be if you fall victim to it that's why it's one of the ten commandments like it's a pretty big deal but you would never ever sense this from watching any mainstream movies or tv shows and yeah i'm sorry but i take that to be a serious serious feature of our mainstream culture and i think way more people should be completely freaking out about it okay anyway so the other reason that i think adultery is very common 
that in movies and shows that is, is that the simple fact is that marriage and relationships, they're just really hard always. And and self-discipline and and the ethical cultivation it re- is required to be a faithful husband or wife, it's really hard. It just really is hard. And many, many people are constantly struggling with, with it. People are constantly struggling with sinful and lustful thoughts and desires. And so movies just capitalize on this. This is a kind of like market explanation. Because people are struggling with it, the kind of supply of cultural artifacts on the open market really only has two choices to deal with it. One would be to create content that actually helps people process it in a healthy way. You could totally imagine TV shows and movies deal with the adulterous, lustful temptation and present it in a certain way that actually helps people reject it and helps people get over it and helps people um, build the ethical cultivation and the focus on other values. Movies could choose to show heroic examples of of faithful people and and, and faithful long-term marriages for supply culture that does confront this reality of of human lives but in a way that is edifying and actually good for people and for relationships but of course there is an alternative path and this is probably i guess the easier path the cheaper path and probably for the producers it's evidently probably the more profitable path which is just to cater to the sinful, lustful thoughts that people have and, and this difficulty that we have with being faithful and being self-disciplined. Movies can just basically flatter your most sinful drives that everyone has and has probably just evolved to be more profitable in the long run, perhaps, for for movie producers and, and, and TV show producers. In other words, I, I guess people find it exhilarating to indulge their adulterous drives by watching it represented in movies and TV shows in a sexy way. I guess it, one reason that it might be supplied is because people people love it and people want to pay for it. Good old-fashioned capitalism is possibly the cause here. So that would be the second possible hypothesis. There is a third reason that I find also quite plausible, which is that film executives, TV show executives are often adulterers and divorcees themselves. And so normalizing this stuff is a way of alleviating their own guilt and making more people their own lives in this way. So the producers and all the bigwigs who make these shows feel less ashamed. This is a somewhat more (laughs) conspiratorial uh, theory, I suppose, but necessarily need to be conscious or organized. I'm just saying that, think about it. Look at the people who are very successful in Hollywood or or, you know, the places where mainstream culture gets and decided and funded. Look at those circles. You actually look at who those people are. And yeah, guess what? A lot of them are fourth marriage or, you know, they've had a problem being faithful in their own life and stuff like that. I mean, that is that does seem true. I don't have the data on hand, but I do know I do know some of these types of people. And that does generally seem true, in which case it's quite plausible, I think, that Therefore, these people just genuinely do see adultery as fairly normal and they know and and by representing it in a way that makes it constantly pervasive and like it's just a normal fact of life. I could see why on some kind of subconscious level this just is aesthetically attracted to them as yeah, the more it's spread and the more normalized it is, the less they feel bad about it and the more normal they feel and the more they kind of get themselves off the hook if they're able to kind of create culture that realizes their own their own past failings in life. 
that's somewhat speculative, but I think there's probably something like that kind of dynamic going on, at least as a partial explanation for why adultery is so ridiculously common in movies and TV shows. All right, so what do you folks think? You had experiences with this? Have you noticed this? Do you have any theories? Send me an email or tweet at me or whatever you want. Let me know if you have any questions for me or other topics that you think I might want to address, figure out how to navigate this ship without my friend Ashley anymore. This was my first time ever doing a solo podcast, I think, if I can recall correctly. I've done live streams on YouTube, and then I've posted the audio to my podcast, Other Life, but I've never sat down just to do a solo podcast on a topic like this. So I thought it was pretty fun, actually. It felt edifying. I'd love to hear what you think. Push back on anything I said, or you want to add anything to it. I will mention you in the next podcast. All right, folks, thanks for listening, and you'll all stick with me. Thanks for staying subscribed. And I'm, like I said, very sorry to say that Ashley won't be with us anymore. I wish her the very best and she will be missed. I'm also hopeful about being able to develop the show in a other way that is equally interesting and fun for me and enjoyable and edifying for everyone else out there listening. I mean, the advantage now is that I can pretty much go in whatever directions I want as wildly as I'd like and I don't have to think about you know negotiating and being respectful of anyone else's feelings or preferences or wishes not that Ashley was particularly demanding or constraining in any way but intrinsically when you're doing something collaboratively with someone you have to you know keep yourself within certain bounds because you don't want to upset them or you don't want to you just want to be respectful right naturally and uh, now that I'm doing this solo it is kind of fun and interesting to think like get super creative I could do I could go as I could go as wild as I want in any direction that I believe is good. And yeah, that's interesting to me. That's exciting to me. I, I'm going to think a little bit creatively about the attitudes and philosophies that I want to really zero in on and can now dramatize them and push them to their absolute limit as roughly as I want without having to factor in anyone else. So who knows? Maybe it will lead to good things, even though Ashley will be missed regardless. All right, folks, these episodes are probably going to be shorter too. I mean, I'll make them as long or short as feels right. I don't want to waste your time going longer than I have valuable things to say or interesting felt things to say. So I don't really have a priori commitment around time length. Can promise you new uploads every Sunday or at least the foreseeable future. And if I decide that I'm not enjoying it or people aren't enjoying it, then maybe I'll decide to wrap this baby up and call it a fascinating and fun experiment. It'll be the end of the world. But like I said at the beginning, I do believe I have a unique vision for this podcast that is very good and true and important and lacking. And the positive feedback I've received from people over email has just been super, super encouraging. So frankly, one of the reasons why I feel committed to keeping this alive, if I have to do it solo, is just because of all the positive feedback. I, I want to really want to stay true to that and keep delivering for all the people who said that the idea in the first episodes were were so resonant with them. So it's for you folks i'm gonna find a way to keep this going uh let me know what you think and yeah as always stay in touch all right folks i'll see you next week